Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Monday, October 30th. I'm Desiree Frazier. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, faith leaders make the moral case for closing the health care coverage gap in Mississippi. Then new changes to the state's public employees retirement system are being proposed and raising red flags. Plus, October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month and doctors are reminding folks to be screened. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Mississippi's faith leaders are making the moral case for closing the health care coverage gap. MPB's Will Stribling has more. Mississippians gathered with faith leaders at Galloway United Methodist Church over the weekend for a series of lectures on how access to health care is a moral Christian issue, not just a political one. Reverend Dr. Chuck Poole is the former pastor of Northminster Baptist Church in Jackson, and now works for the nonprofit Together for Hope. Working for a more welcoming and inclusive, gentle and just society for all persons who have historically been marginalized is not about political correctness or wokeness or virtue signaling or any of the rest of that lexicon of diversion. While Medicaid expansion was far from the only issue discussed, it hung heavy over the entire weekend. Expanding the program would bring in more than $1 billion into the state each year and provide coverage to hundreds of thousands of Mississippians who are working but too poor to afford private health insurance. The lecture series provided an opportunity for the faith community to get involved in the conversation around health care access. It's also the home church of Governor Tate Reeves, the state's most high-profile opponent of expanding Medicaid. Dr. Dan Jones, former chancellor of the University of Mississippi and one of the weekend's lecturers, said this moment compares to 2020, when faith leaders and groups like the Mississippi Baptist Convention voiced support for changing the state flag shortly before the state legislature succeeded in doing so. I think there's a lot of relationship between what happened with the flag and what can happen with Medicaid expansion. Time for Mississippians to decide we'll treat everybody fairly uh, and that everybody will have access to health care, just like we finally decided we would have a flag that could represent all Mississippians. Mississippi has the highest rate in the nation of people without health insurance. Will Stribling, MPB News. Our goal at Everyday Tech is to keep your technology not only working, but working for you. I'm the host, Abram Nanny, and you can join me and my friends Wednesday mornings at 10 on MPB Think Radio. Or search Everyday Tech on your favorite podcasting app or download the MPB Public Media app. 
You're listening to Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. The board governing Mississippi's Public Employees Retirement System, known as PERS, voted last week to make new recommendations to its plan to reduce cost. In a 7-3 vote, Peers Board of Trustees suggested creating a new tier of retirement benefits for state employees hired beginning next year. It would improve the guaranteed cost of living adjustment for those new hires, or rather it would remove the guaranteed cost of living adjustment for those new hires, which current employees who retire and those who are already retired receive. Our Mike McEwen speaks with Torn Ballard, a K-12 policy analyst at the nonprofit Mississippi First, which advocates for education reforms to improve achievement. He says those changes could leave retirement plans for future employees at the whim of inflation. So under the defined benefit pension offered by PERS, teachers and other state employees receive an annual benefit upon retirement that's based on their years of service and the average of their four highest years of compensation. So, for example, under the current salary schedule, a teacher retiring after 30 years would receive an annual benefit of around $35,000. To keep that annual benefit from getting eaten up by inflation, it grows by 3% every year. So 20 years into retirement for this hypothetical teacher, that $35,000 is going to be more like $60,000. So under the recommendation passed by the PERS Board of Trustees, it would be up to PERS on a yearly basis to decide if they have enough money for those annual benefits to grow at all. Now, I should note that this is a recommendation. You know, PERS needs the legislature to approve this. They can't just do it on their own. I am confident that the legislature is going to be skeptical about cutting retirement benefits in the midst of a critical teacher shortage. And I mean, at a time in which teachers and other state employees are already grossly underpaid. But if they were to follow this recommendation, you know, it would represent just a continuation of a decades-long trend of slowly slashing benefits for public servants, you know, these people that keep Mississippi running. And so the larger context of what PERS is considering right now, I know that their funding ratio, meaning their ability to meet their their funding requirements for retirees into the future, it's about 61 percent, I believe, which is roughly 20 percent below where public funds are recommended to be. Are you at all surprised, you've been following this for a while, are you at all surprised that this recommendation was approved? I guess I'm not terribly surprised. Okay, so recently there has been a lot more concern about that funded ratio. And so that's led to both the vote to potentially create this new lower retirement tier, but it also has led to votes in the last year to increase the employer contribution rate. So that's the percentage of a state employee's salary that the employer, whether that's a school district or a department, pays into the PERS system. So whether we are cutting retirement benefits or increasing the employer contribution rate, I would argue that these steps are overreactions. So as you mentioned, you know, the problem with PERS right now is that we have a lot of these what they call unfunded liabilities. You know, these liabilities refer to the sum of all benefits that we will owe retirees at any point 
both this year, but also in the future. So this includes current retirees, but it also includes future retirement benefits for someone who might be currently, you know, 22 years old and in their first year of teaching. And when we talk about the unfunded portion of those liabilities, that refers to the money for these future retirement benefits that we just don't have on hand right now. And so it's actually okay for a pension system not to be funded at 100% because, you know, some of those payments won't be due for over half a century in some cases. Now, 80% is generally the funded ratio that most experts point to as like, you know, that's like a healthy funded ratio. And it's important to make sure that we maintain a certain level of funding in order to keep promises to current and future retirees. We shouldn't ignore the funded ratio, but I would argue that we shouldn't read too much into what the ratio is right now. Instead, I think we need to worry more about the fact that there are fewer employees paying into the system than there are retirees being paid out of it. And we also need to pay attention to the fact that salaries for current employees are not keeping up with demographic projections. Torin Ballard is a K-12 policy analyst with Mississippi First. After a short break, we speak with a doctor about breast cancer awareness, October's Breast Cancer Awareness Month. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Hi, I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, host of Southern Remedies, Relatively Speaking. Join the conversation every Tuesday at 11 as we dissect issues that are important to you and your family. That's Relatively Speaking, Tuesdays only on MPB Think Radio. You're listening to Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and doctors are reminding Mississippians about the dangers of the disease if left untreated. Dr. Christina Marks is a radiologist at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. She tells our Kobe Vance about the importance of screenings and the next steps if needed. Breast cancer is the most common cancer diagnosed in women. And one in eight women uh, will develop breast cancer during their lifetime. Some of those women might have a genetic predisposition towards breast cancer. However, many of those women will not have a genetic predisposition towards breast cancer. And their breast cancer could be diagnosed a variety of ways. One of the ways that we diagnose breast cancer is on a screening mammogram. And what that means is that the patient is not complaining of any symptoms such as a palpable mass or breast pain or nipple discharge. And instead, those patients have no symptoms and they come in with what we would recommend for a yearly screening mammogram. And I think October is a great time for women to look at their calendars and say, okay, have I gotten my screening mammogram this year? It's October. We're nearing the end of the year. So if you haven't gotten your screening mammogram yet in 2023, now is a great time to make an appointment before the year is out for your screening mammogram. And again, that is an examination that we would recommend for a woman who has no symptoms, such as a breast mass, nipple discharge, or focal breast pain, and we would recommend that be done every year for women over 40 who are at average risk for breast cancer. In terms of testing, 
what would be your words of advice to folks who might have concerns or be scared in general about going to their doctor to get tested uh, or even doing their own home exams? We do advise home exams once a month, usually around the same time every month is useful. Um, And if a woman does find a new lump during a breast exam that she's performing at home, the next step would be for her to check with her doctor. The doctor then would feel what the woman is feeling, and the next steps would be to order a diagnostic mammogram and ultrasound as long as the woman is over 30 years of age. Those examinations then would be performed at an imaging center, and a radiologist would be the ones who would be interpreting those images and then counseling the woman on whether or not the lump is something to be concerned about, or as in many times we see women come in with a palpable lump, and it is actually something that's benign that's not cancer, such as maybe a cyst or some dense fibroglandular tissue, which can feel like a lump. However, even though those are benign things, we always advise every woman to come in and get those areas examined because we never know for certainty that those are benign findings until we have imaging to prove it. In your experience, what's the difference between somebody going early to get something identified as soon as they notice it versus somebody who might wait a while before they uh, get either the courage or uh, the concern enough to go finally see a doctor? That's a great question. I think that many women in their lives are very busy. A lot of women are multitasking between kids, jobs, spouses. We're all busy. And sometimes your own personal health can get pushed to the sidelines because other things take importance. And I think it is extremely important for women to prioritize their personal health. Because if your personal health is not number one, then it's difficult for you to make other people's personal health number one. I've tragically seen some women come in with more widespread cancer than we would have preferred because the women were caring for a sick relative who then, whenever the sick relative passed away, the woman finally came in to get her breast findings assessed. And at that point, it was a cancer that had spread to other parts of the body versus if she had come in earlier, whenever the cancer was just initially found as a lump in her breast, we would have had more treatment options. Dr. Christina Marks is a radiologist at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. Our executive producer is Kobe Vance.